This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. All right, here we go. I hit the button, and away we go. Off to the races, as they say. Well, you know what? I'm just excited to introduce my guest today. Uh, man, he is doing so much, so much to say about him. An entrepreneur, marketing strategist, author, thought leader, podcaster. His marketing experience spreads across SEO, PPC, social media, web, just digital marketing at its core. Uh, and I can't wait to get into more of this. Author of the book, Digital Marketing in the Zone, former president of EO Boston, founder and president of Now Speed Marketing, David Resky. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Casey. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Man, I'm, I'm jazzed to have you here. Um, fellow marketer, uh, fellow entrepreneur, so many things to talk about, so much to learn from you here. So I'm going to shut up and pass you the baton and ask you that question we use to start every show, which is what is a common misconception about leadership, running a business and being an entrepreneur? Oh, there's so many things we could talk about. Uh, I know. Let me focus on uh, digital marketing. So I've been doing digital marketing for a long time. And I find in talking to clients, they often think that it's this automated AI-driven process. You just put money in and good things happen on the other side. And in reality, it just takes a huge amount of work to make those uh, programs happen. So thinking about advertising strategies and offers and keywords and landing pages and it just a lot of strategy work. So I'm uh you know I I've, I've been doing digital marketing for man over 20 years and uh I still find it fascinating to kind of work with clients and you know connect all the dots making those things happen. Yeah, I mean what is this the misconception we it's like it's almost like you you go to the gas station, you put gas in your car, and the car just goes, right? Are we? Are, is that how we were seeing? We're seeing that people are like, oh, just put money in this engine. We've called it an engine before, the revenue engine, and it'll just your company will just move forward and accelerate. And but there's so much more to it than than that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just take Google uh, uh, for a, an example. So again, we've been working with Google, and Google Ads is a core part of a lot of people's marketing strategies, right? So yeah. you know, you can, you know, for a couple of dollars, you can open an account, put ads on keywords, drive traffic to your website. Um, but in reality, it it's, takes a lot of magic to kind of connect all the dots to make that happen, right? What are the right keywords, the right targeting, the right offers? Uh, you know. Focus on the, the, you know, all the basically connecting all the dots between the target audience, the offer, and uh, and what you've got to do. And then once you get that lead, how are you going to follow it up and, and make sure that um, that it turns into to revenue? So, you know, again, I think the the digital marketing industry um, has so many ways to spend money on these different channels and campaigns. You know, you're spending money on Reddit and Google Ads and Bing, and what about LinkedIn? And how about Twitter and uh, you know, but about those Facebook ads, Instagram is really cool. So there's all kinds of ways to spend money. And I think, you know, connecting the dots between what you're really trying to do and then and then um, making sure that happens. I just looked at a campaign today where the a client was um, gave me all their data and wants me to analyze it. And they're spending money on four different channels uh, and three of them are working OK. The third one, it was half their budget and it produced no uh, qualified leads in the last six months. And they, they're they're coming to me and saying, well, well, what's wrong with our strategy? And they're just, you know, there might be something in that channel that they're missing that they didn't do right, 
but a lot of it is they're they're just spreading money around without a clear strategy to kind of get real results through all that. And um, you know, I, I think when you've been doing this a long time, it's easy to kind of cut through what's really happened and look at the data accurately and figure out you know where where we should really go. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of happy they at least had the data enough to show. You know, how many how many times I'm I'm sure we both bumped into people where you don't even know how it's doing, you know, but at least they're able to discover that 50% of their budget was basically getting flushed down the toilet. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a crazy thing about our industry is that there's so much data, you know, Google, mm-hmm. dive into your Google Analytics account. There's so much data um, that I think that that's one of the challenges. People get lost in all the data. Do I pay attention to time on site, my conversion rate, my, you know, my open rate, um, right. my look through rate, you know, um, there's just so much data that if you're not experienced in this, you get lost in all that. And it's hard to focus on what's really important. So I don't know. So so I'm with you. I believe I'm, I'm in, uh, it's not this automated magic machine, so much data, you got the right keywords, the right offers. So if we know what not to do, how should we be approaching this the right way? You know, I think, um, it's again, it's easy to get lost in these channels. And there's a lot of people in my industry that want to sell ad, you know, stuff. So I think, I think you kind of get out of a little of the hype. And I think it's um, best to simplify and make sure you're connecting all the dots between, you know, what you're advertising and what you're trying to get your user to do. So I like to think about like focus on the right person, like who is your target persona, who are you really going after? And and if you're really starting out, make that as narrow as possible and then figure out what is your message, right? What is the, what do you want them to do? What's unique, differentiated about, you know, what you, what you got and then create an offer around that message. And that offer is often, you know, a call to action to a landing page that might be a free trial or a white paper or a, you know, buy now, or it's half off or it's 15% deal if you act now, right? It's all those, right. all those offer things. And then, you know, then put some small bets in a lot of different channels and then start to see what works. I mean, there's a, there's a hundred nuances between all those things, but I think, you know, it's, um, you know, it's kind of like coming back to a little bit advertising 101 is think through all those things first and make sure you've got all that aligned and then you can start to, uh, to iterate that, that piece about small bets is really important. We had a client um, last year and they were, was a B2C client and they were selling um, a product um, and it, without going into what the product was, we didn't have the, we didn't have broken code yet. So for every dollar we were spending in advertising, we were, they were earning about 60 cents. So we're doing some small tests to try to figure it out. And it was getting close to Christmas and they asked us to increase the budget by a hundred thousand dollars in one week. Wow. Yeah. And so it kind of went out and the results were, they got about 60 cents on the dollar for every dollar we spent on advertising. We kind of said, look, we hadn't broken the code yet. We're testing all these different campaigns, yet they wanted to go full all in. And it was it was a disaster. So it, it's super important to test, make small bets, iterate, learn from what you're doing and, and get better. It's also good to think strategically about, you know, is this the right time to spend that money? What, what channels are working, what offers are best, right? So you kind of need to, yeah. need to think strategically, but um, there's just a lot of ways to to do it right. There's a lot of ways to do it wrong. So Totally. Yeah. You know, I, I encountered someone 
uh, similar to what you're talking about with the small bets, but they they did the opposite. It was almost like an example of, of what happens after you keep doing the big bet and the big bet. And so instead of doing these small bets, like you're talking about and finding where the proof of life was happening and maybe now diving in more for that, this one group would basically go from one channel to one channel to one channel. And they'd, they'd bet the farm on one, get disappointed, bet the farm on the next one, get disappointed. Yeah. The problem was they, they, they got kind of jaded. So by the time, maybe they'd find the right thing, but they were so angry at, you know, losing their, their shirt on the last one or the one before that, that they, they, they kept getting more and more conservative with their bets. And, and, and almost they would like kind of close in on themselves with these smaller and smaller plays. And then the budget was shrinking, but and so instead of doing, you know, kept going big bets, they just kept getting smaller and smaller instead of starting small and expanding. They were, they were, and it just, it was so sad to see. And it, it kind of felt like, you know, when you have like a bad relationship or something, <laughs> you just, I'm not, you know, I'm just done. I'm just done. Well, you can't just be done with marketing. You got to get customers in. And so it was just a, it was a warning for me. It was like, okay, don't, don't do the bet the farm thing. Do what you're describing with these small bets and then pick some big ones. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. A, and then they come, you know, a client will come to us and say, oh, that Google thing doesn't work. Yeah. Google right. doesn't work. Right. No, it's, it's, it, Google's not worth hundreds of billions of dollars <laughs> as a company because it doesn't work. It's just that you did it badly, right? You And, you know, kind of thinking through that whole strategy, making those small tests. One of the challenges I often find, though, in, in, in planning these campaigns is sometimes clients will come and they'll have, let's say a B2B company will have like 10 different products. And they want to go after eight different geographies. We sell globally. We have 10 products and our budget's $1,000 a month. And now we want to test out what's happening. And they, they don't invest. There's not enough money. There's not enough budget to get enough traffic, enough clicks, enough conversions in any one of these segments to learn anything meaningful. And so it's sometimes you have to really focus on, well, let's test out one product at a time in one geography. Let's, let's focus on the United States or New England and one product line and test out two ads against each other if your budget is very limited. If you have a large budget, we can test everything at the same time quickly. If you have a small budget, you got to like test, you know, sequentially and make that happen. So digital advertising has so many opportunities for learning and improvement, but it does take patience and systematic thinking to really make that happen. So it's fun. But I, you know, I like I like that about it. But uh, yeah, you gotta kind of understand some of the math drives some of the expectations. That's yeah, I, I love that you highlighted that because otherwise we might take it to the extreme, and and just be placing small bets. But you know, as you described it, it seems more like a curve to me. You can be too small of a bet, in which case there's no learning. If there's no learning, it's a fail. Right. Um, if in the the chance that the, the unlikely chance that one little bet pays off. Otherwise you're not going to learn anything. That's a fail. And too much. Now you're over-invested. You kind of need that happy middle. You need someone like yourself to then advise and say, okay, we're going to need probably this range to be able to learn something. Yeah. And then, and then once it starts to work, ramp it up. Mm. Once you get that positive return on investment, you're investing, you know, you're driving leads at uh, $200 a lead and you're selling stuff at a thousand dollars gross margin. Like how much should you invest then? as much money as you have, right? <laughs> Once you get a positive ROI on advertising, like just unless there's not enough traffic or it's kind of niche industry or something like that. But once you get that positive result, ramp it up because that's, that's you know, how to turn it into a money machine. 
Um, and there's always competition out there. It's not as easy as it sounds, True. but uh, that's when you kind of want to ramp it up. Yeah. Have you gotten that question? I've definitely seen this. I'd love to know your your answer on this around how much to invest. I've, I've definitely seen in some of the EO board, in the Slack chats and all the different places, how much do I invest in marketing? Just like overall, how much should I do? You, do you have any kind of rough percentage you tend to tell people? Uh, because I keep hearing you say certain calculations and it sounds like you're being very intentional about not only the spend on the campaigns, but I'm sure over, overall how much you spend. Yeah, I think if I, I don't have a, uh, an opinion about overall marketing budget. Okay. Is, that, you know, is that 3% of revenue? Is that 5% of revenue? Often you'll see numbers like that in terms of company size. And that's kind of a, probably a rule of thumb to think about for, let's say for another way to look at it is in terms of advertising itself, you have to spend enough to get enough traffic to get uh, statistically significant learning about the campaign. And that often is something like clients often start in like three to $5,000 a month. They'll be like, well, if you can't spend you know, $3,000 a month or $5,000 a month, you're not going to get enough traffic. And that varies widely based on the cost per click and the cost per conversion, but you're not getting enough traffic to learn anything meaningful. But then once you get some learnings and you get the ramp coming, what I often see clients making the opposite mistake and they said, oh yeah, we're getting, we're selling $100,000 things and we're spending and we're getting good leads and it's flowing, but our budget is only $5,000 a month. So we're going to stick with that for the next year. Like, well, no, no, no. <laughs> once it works, Put on the gas, right? You know, ramp it up because that's when you start to make real money. You know, your salespeople won't start saying, "Oh, I don't want any more leads," right? You want to get all the leads you possibly can once it starts to work. That's the that's the other side of it, you know. And I think clients, the CFO, will be like, "No, no, no, we budgeted, you know, ten thousand dollars a month for advertising, twenty five thousand dollars a month, whatever. We're going to stick to that." Well, I think you know you got to start to look outside the box and say, "How much money can we make here?" and really ramp it up. That's a great point. Somewhere in the budgeting conversation, there's the the baseline and then there's the green, you know, having some kind of reserve so that you can not be so rigid because that you're right, that like that's the time and you need start to take some risk now. But now it's calculated because you're showing, you've mathematically shown it works. You don't know how much volume maybe it has, right. but it's time to find out how far it can go. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the statistically significant? Now I will I will confess I did take stats as a summer class and failed it, uh, but I I've learned enough to know that 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 word is like really important and then people make so many decisions without considering significance in the in the data. Can yeah, you talk exactly. About that? Exactly. We all took statistics in college and we forgot it right after the test. Yeah. So there and I um and I confess that I don't know the formulas, but I know uh, how to do the math. So basically. The in order to get a statistically significant result, you have to have enough. Um, basically, in, in I'll talk in advertising terms, you have to have enough clicks, and then you measure the click through rate difference between two outcomes. So, you have an A test and a B test. And if let's say you're measuring on click through rate, if A gets a 90% click through rate and B gets a 50% click through rate, you might say, Oh, A is the better ad than B. Well, that's only true if there's enough clicks to make it statistically significant. Mm. So you have to have enough clicks and there has to be a big enough difference with enough clicks or conversions or sales or whatever you're measuring to make the difference. So often what happens is you, you see a client, client will say, wow, this one had a 95, 90% click 
click-through rate, and this one at a 80% click-through rate, so the 90% one win, but will win. But that's only true if we had enough to create a big enough statistical difference between the two. So if you're curious about this, there's that's that's a very uh, inexact definition. But if you're curious, just uh, Google statistical significance calculator. You'll find people have put this up. You can just put in you know simple math about here's how many impressions, clicks, conversions I got on A versus B, and it'll tell you if it's statistically significant. And you remember your uh, your uh, the confidence interval and the bell curve, and you have to have like a 90 or 95% confidence interval. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for like 90% confidence that this test beat this the other test. Right. And if I, if I recall that if you're not making decisions based on that, you know, if you, if you literally only had four people and two of them walked in the building, one didn't, you're not sure of the other one, just because one more person than the other walked in doesn't mean you necessarily have enough sample size to prove it's not just dumb luck. It's not just random. And then, I mean, how many times have people just made decisions? Oh, that looks better. You know, you got 1%, like you, like you said, oh, 1% better. Um, I guess we'll just revamp our whole website, but actually it's just kind of random at that point. It's not really proven and you're wasting your cycles. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to have enough of enough of a sample size to matter. And that's why there's usually a minimum ad spend that you should be making. That makes sense. On um, Now, ad spend also has to do with your market size. So, you know, we're working with a client right now and they're, they're making an industrial product and they've, they're only really going after resellers of these industrial products. So they've got dozens of companies that could buy and maybe a few dozen people in each company. So their ad spend by definition is going to be relatively small. There are, there are hundreds of buyers in their market. So if they focused, you know, they spend all their money on LinkedIn, let's say, and that's a good target and use, use for that that type of uh, campaign, they can't spend that much money if they really want to be focused just on the target audience. Now you have another you know, client that's focused on a consumer product. They can spend maybe you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars going after a global market. Um, we had a client that was doing a medical testing product and they were spending $150,000 a month. And you know, they were trying to spend as much as they could, but that was kind of the upper limit of what they could find in that example. So you know, it varies wildly depending on what you're trying to do. Do you ever get asked this? And I wonder, do you have like a, a go-to campaign or are we just, are we testing all the channels? Do you have like one that's like your sweet spot? Um, no, although Google is almost always included because everybody uses Google to find things. That's so that's almost always good. Um, the way I kind of think about it is, um, uh, Google's best if you're the kind of product where people are searching for what you have. And that's most companies, right? And you have a fairly broad target audience that can be defined by the search, right? So on the other hand, LinkedIn is often best when it's hard to differentiate You know, the search. It could be a consumer searching for your product, could be a business searching for your product, but you're really, really focused on these small set of industrial buyers, or it could be big set of industrial buyers. But I'm, I'm look. I'll only talk. I only want to talk to um, CTOs of oil companies in Texas. I don't care if they're searching for, you know, shale oil. You know, student in Sacramento searching for fracking. Yeah, fracking. Right. I. You know, a, a legislative aide in New York. I only want to talk to 
this small group of people. And then LinkedIn is really best because that defines it. Now, if you're looking for a consumer audience, Facebook is still phenomenal and Instagram is really works really well. So, you know, so those products let you visually put um, your, your ads and your offers in front of people. So it really, I think that those three channels cover a lot in the digital advertising space. And those are usually my three go-to channels, but it kind of depends on where companies are coming from. They're B2B, B2C, how narrow their target audience is, and how well we can define uh, the, the campaign to reach only those people. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Go-tos in particular areas, and depending on who you're trying to reach, again, back to what you said earlier, who do I want to talk to? Who am I trying to reach out to? That makes total sense. Shifting a little bit, do you have a favorite book or books or thing you always recommend to help people learn? Maybe it's about marketing, maybe just in general. Uh, one book I've been really enthusiastic about lately is uh, Extreme Ownership. Um, it's a phenomenal book. Maybe I have it right here. I can do a little ad. Is that Jocko's? Yeah, Jocko, right. Uh, yeah, so right here. It's right here on my desk. I, I read this book last year, loved it so much, I added it to our core values. So we added core Extreme Ownership as a core value. So um yeah, I love the concept. It's basically the idea that you want to take control of everything in your world and have no excuses, you know, take ownership for what's happening. Because I think a lot of people in business, uh, a lot of agencies, it's easy to make excuses for things that happen. So, hey, I didn't get my, you know, get, didn't get that campaign launched because, uh, you know, the client never sent me the, uh, the offer. Uh, yeah, the website never got done because uh, the developer didn't get it, you know, finished. Uh, so all the we tons of excuses all the time. And so we're trying to really train our team, really focus our team on saying, no, don't, no excuses. Take control of everything in your world. Back up to figure out how to solve these problems in advance. Take responsibility and make them happen. So really good book. Helped change a lot of my thinking. So um, I don't know. Have you read it or experienced this concept? Yeah, I think I think I've definitely cracked it open, and I'm I'm a big fan of Jocko. He he's the guy that I mean he's working at like three thirty in the morning every day. Yeah, he exactly. takes a photo of his watch, right? Just puts it on Twitter. That's his social media. Just just so you know, when you lazy nasty person waking up at nine, that Jocko's been up for like six hours, and he's already got his workout in. Yeah, he's uh, he's a pretty amazing guy. But his uh, the book and the concept have really influenced me a lot. So I, I, I'd highly recommend it. Talk to me about that idea of taking control over things. Because we don't we live in this world where it's like understanding, isn't it that old prayer of like knowing what I can control and what I can't and then know the difference between the two. There's something cool about just whenever you possibly can taking control over something. Yeah, it's, it's taking control and kind of taking ownership. So we had a case uh, last month where one of our campaigns overspent. So um, it was like $2,000 and it really meant, you know, in, in terms of extreme ownership, we took responsibility, we paid the extra fee, we didn't, you know, charge the client. And that's, that's part of the extreme ownership. Part of that is I don't worry about it. I'm not going to like get blow up or get angry or frustrated or like, why do we have this $2,000 and blah, 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 you know, kind of think about that. We just, I'm just going to take ownership and move past it. Right. But the other part of it is now we got to go into our systems and say, well, how did this happen? You know, mm -hmm. um, do we, do we not set the budgets correct? Maybe there's a training issue. Are we not checking our accounts every day? Do we set up the alerts properly so that we're notified? 
Um, what role did the client have? Are we asking about budgets every month? So we know what the client's budget are. Was there confusion wow. at the beginning of the month? You know, what, was our person confused, right? So there's all these other things that we have to kind of reverse engineer the process. And it turns out we really had a training issue. So we had to go back and reteach a couple of our people that this is exactly how we manage those budgets so this doesn't happen again. And so we kind of take responsibility, take ownership. We don't get emotional. We really focus on solving those problems till we get it right. But, we, you know, takes that taking responsibility part is, is super important. And nobody get in our organization gets um, in trouble for taking ownership. It's part of our culture or it's becoming part of our culture more and more. No, yeah, this, this totally reminds me of a little bit of the Dan Sullivan. Uh, there was a little training where they talked about the emo- something happens and then you have this sort of natural emotional response. And they want you to sort of pause and have a creative response easier said than done. Um, and this sounds like this would be the way that you do that by saying, you know, I'm going to shift from my rah, response to the, okay, let me be thoughtful and create something out of this. Like you've just described by taking ownership of it. So it's almost like for me, that was the missing piece. I was like, I, I don't want to do that, that response. I want to do this one, but how do I get there? I, I could get there by being taking ownership. Yeah. It kind of moves wow. you into a problem solving mode rather than emotional frustration mode. So if somebody in my organization says, um, I'm really frustrated with blah, right? And it's, you know, there's always things to be frustrated with. I kind of try to use it as a teachable moment. It's like, you know, hey, if you're taking extreme ownership of this, let's let's look at why you're frustrated. Well, you're frustrated because let's say, you know, that, that, you know, you're working with somebody and they didn't launch their campaign in time. Um, you're frustrated because you didn't have a meeting with them in advance to make sure they knew what they needed to launch that campaign in time. You didn't, you know, you, you could have done these other things. Now let's back up next time, figure out how you can get in front of this thing. So it doesn't happen again. That frustration is a simple symptom that you're, it's like a, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm giving excuses. I'm not taking ownership of the problem. I'm blaming the other person. I'm frustrated. And that's not what we want. We want you to take ownership and get ahead of it and solve the problem next time. Well, that frustration is a symptom. Yeah, it is. Go yeah. treat the underlying cause. Right. Teachable uh, moment. <laughs> yeah. Teachable moment. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. So many things here. My next question is, who are you? Who are you? I've, <laughs> I've seen you in events. I, I, I know of you. I've, we've chatted many times, but who are you? Take me back in time. Little David days growing up, did you know you're going to be an entrepreneur and a marketer and all these things? Oh, not at all. So I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. My parents immigrated from Eastern Europe after World War II. My dad, uh, you know, uh, I was born in Canada, Winnipeg. Um, My dad came to Cleveland when I was two years old. He worked uh, for a dollar an hour, uh, eventually got into a factory where he was making a whopping two or three dollars an hour. So I kind of grew up in a lower middle class uh, town. Um, my mom, however, went to college in Europe and uh, as a housewife in the 60s, she was always committed to her kids going to college. So um, even though I grew up in this working class town, my brother and sister and I all went to college, but I got out and you know I got a sales job. I was working for a computer company, got a sales job. And um, after doing that for like 10 years, I didn't see a lot of future in it. And I decided to be an entrepreneur. I was going to business school at BU. Wrote, wrote a paper in an entrepreneurship class called Online Computer Market. It's this crazy idea that people would use computers with modems to dial into databases and search and shop 
across different product yeah. lines to compare and make purchase decisions. So I quit my job, started a company. Um, this is in 1994. We were going to like change the world on the internet, took this idea of computer companies, and they said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would I ever put my products online to have my <laughs> customers compare and price right. shop me to death? I'm not going to do that. But there's this internet thing happening. Can you build me a website? And we said, okay, yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, we can build a website. So gotcha. <laughs> we pivoted and we became a website development company. And that's how I started doing digital marketing in the early 90s. Grew that company up, sold it um, in the late 90s. And then I started this company in 2003. And we've been really a boutique digital marketing agency, you know. So that's wow. kind of that's my, that's my professional life. And personally, I love things like uh, sailing and travel. I've been to 58 countries trying to hit 100. That's my, one of my goals in life, um, love skiing, you know, you said, hiking. sorry, you said 50 countries, 58. Yeah. Oh, so you've been to 58. Yeah. Wow. And, and what, how many is there like 200 and 138? Yeah. I don't know. I'm a guess. I think, I don't even know. 200, 300. We could probably Google this. Countries <laughs> are there. Let's find this out. Google 195. I'm sure oh, there's wow. plus or minus depending on, you know, politics and whatnot, but around 195 countries. I'm not sure I need to go to uh, Russia and North Korea, so I'll be happy at 100. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you think 100 is the goal? That's my goal. Yep. We'll, we'll see if I get there or not. But uh, Oh, no doubt. Well, you yeah. go through Europe, you can you can bag a couple hundred countries in an afternoon. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've already done that. So you already got that. Okay. <laughs> the, harder one, the harder ones are to go. Yeah. So have you done, have you hit all the continents? At this point, or I think I have. Let's see, Africa. Yeah, yeah. Except for in Antarctica. Um, yeah, okay. done a lot. Um, so yeah, love travel. It's it's super fun. So yeah. you know, for me, I love breaking goals down. So I've done fifty eight. I've got uh, what forty two to go. That's like six a year for seven years. It's not actually that hard. So I can do that during my summer vacation, <laughs> right? Or a couple couple trips a year. I love the trifecta. So my trip this year. My plan is to go to um, Croatia, and I'm going to do a day trip to Montenegro and a day trip to Bosnia because they're all right next to each other. So I love these little trifecta opportunities. Absolutely, get that passport stamped. Get three, get three countries in in one uh, in one in one swoop. See, that's so efficient. I'd right love there. to kind of. So once I get past that style of travel, someday I'd love to then go to Croatia and spend a month and really enjoy and experience it. But right now, I'm on a I call it the American plan. <laughs> like, right. Know, Americans yeah. go to Europe. We're like, see Paris in a day. Then we're on to Berlin. And <laughs> how about Munich? You know, in, in, uh, in a week vacation. So the, the uh, Europeans yeah. will spend weeks in one city. So, but it's fun. You know, we start out that way, right? Like, check, 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 get some things checked off. Then you're like, you know what? Honestly, I'd still, like, I'd still go back to Paris, even though I've seen a lot of the, there's always more to see, but also, yeah, it's kind of like the vibe, you know. But to stay for a while, that that would be fantastic because you can kind of really assimilate the vibe. Yeah, someday I'd like to do that. But so yeah. right now I'm on this crazy quest. So we'll see if I can make it happen. Well, I'm sure you can. And tell me about. So now we're present day. We've got now speed. Who are the best clients for you? Who who are the kind of companies you like working with? We really look like really like working with uh, mid-sized B2B and B2C companies. So we've got a lot of uh, tech companies. We have some uh, some large tech companies that we work with, but our best clients are often um, mid-sized tech companies where we've talked a lot about digital advertising, but uh, we we are often their entire digital marketing department. 
So we help companies, and I talk about tech, we do this for some B2C, we work for alarm companies and HVAC companies and solar companies on the B2C side. So it's kind of a wide variety of, uh, of industries, but usually mid-sized companies and they need help across the board. They need help building a website, SEO optimizing it, running advertising, writing their blogs, creating content, um, implementing HubSpot, running marketing automation systems, sending out their email, and they need an integrated team. Often we can do that for the cost of one FTE mm -hmm. rather than hiring a marketing manager. You get six skill sets and we do it all. So if that, you know, if that's, you know, clients that those are often our best clients, but then for larger clients, we have, we do point solutions. We'll, we'll do just, you know, social media campaigns or just digital advertising, right. um, you know, or just SEO. So we've kind of got these single service solutions and then these integrated uh, campaigns. Gosh, decades, decades of experience. It is um, a lot. It's a lot of work. We've, uh, you know, we've acquired two companies in the last year. So we were up to about 30 people. And so gosh, it's nice to have some depth in some of those areas. So, um, you know, where we can take on a larger client that needs a certain amount of copywriting depth and, you know, marketing animation or HubSpot or, you wow. know, can run a hundred thousand dollar a month email advertising campaign, um, but we don't need to have all big clients. We've got a wide variety, like I said. Right, right, awesome, powerful stuff. I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you. Sure. See, up here in New Hampshire, I may or may not have a time machine in my backyard, covered in a tarp, you know, with all the acorns on top of it. So let's say you come visit and we get a chance to you know, get some beers and use the time machine, but it's a particular kind of time machine. It takes you back in time to a few days after graduating from school. Uh, you went to college, you got that grad degree, your mom's happy. And here you are a few days later, you get to meet that version of you. What would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? Oh, that's a hard question. So I think when I graduated from school, um, I was pretty introverted, didn't communicate that well, didn't have a lot of confidence. And I actually deliberately took a sales job out of college because I wanted to um, grow those skills. I wanted to become more confident. I wanted to become more outgoing. And I thought that that would help me. I stuck with one company way too long. I think I, if I told myself, I would have probably said, hey, take more risks, change jobs more frequently and get uh, you know, a better career going. Uh, through your sales years. But because I, I didn't do a lot of this, stayed with one company for 10 years, maybe that's what helped me launch my first, you know, if I'd have been super successful at Oracle as a sales rep, right? then maybe I would have never launched my first company and I'd still be a sales VP somewhere today. So I, you know, you never know where life's going to take you. But if I could take the, the, uh, the time machine back to 1994, when I started that first company out of college, um, there's a little known fact. There's another guy who started an online business and at almost exactly the same time that I was trying to sell online to do online computer markets, sell computer products. He had the same idea, online sales, except he was going to go after books. <laughs> and he started selling books online. There's a little company called Amazon. Wow. And I might say, Dave, don't, don't do computers. And that's what you know. <laughs> sell books. Sell books. Because that was easier because, you you know, computers have like a lot of variables. You can sell a PC online. At least that's all that's complicated. True. Book online is simpler. So, you know, Jeff started, um, Jeff started Amazon right at the same time 
Right. Started my company. He uh he was a little more successful. <laughs> well, you know, it's what hardcover, soft cover. Now it's a few other options, but yeah. Then. Exactly. Yeah. So I might uh I might have said, hey, do books, drop <laughs> uh, right. Cause you know, who knows, right? Making it kind of change back then, and who knows what it turns into now. Never so, know, yeah. It's crazy to think about. Um, well, how can people reach out to you? Members of the but, chapter, folks hearing this, maybe we need some marketing. We just want to connect with you professionally. Sure. Two best ways. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, David Resky uh, on LinkedIn or uh, on my website at nowspeed.com. So we just launched a new website this week, which I'm super excited about. So get oh, cool. feedback on it. If you find any typos, let me know. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always fun. Um, nowspeed.com? N-O-W-S-P-E-E-D.com. That's a great domain, huh? That's a really short fast i mean that's cool yeah, you gobbled that up business at the speed of now so uh like that. your tagline um but yeah nowspeed.com or just connect with me on linkedin love to uh, love to connect and if anybody in the eo community has just got questions about digital marketing want some advice i'd be happy to uh to help out in any way i can yeah so you've always been super generous with your time and your expertise your knowledge and uh thank you so much for coming on here i i literally and i knew this was going to happen and i'm so excited that it did I mean, the idea where there's so much data that is everyone that wants you to spend money and you have to sort of take a step back to be more strategic and intentional. We've learned so much here, not, you know, small bets, but not too small. And then the statistical significance, so much stuff covered here. So again, David, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Casey. I really appreciate it. All right. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes and I've like run out of space in the margins, then share this with someone else. That's thought leadership, getting this in front of someone else. They probably need it. A fellow business owner that is just struggling with where to place the bets in marketing, this would be the guy to reach out to. This would be the episode for them to listen to. Um, and with that, David, thank you again. Thanks, Casey. Great talk. All to right. You. All right, everyone. This has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston Chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.